Regrade Request Office Hours, where we take an in-depth look at a single topic or question that's on our mind. My name is Professor Mark Sheriff. For the gamers out there, there's been a little bit of news from Nintendo that you might or might not have heard, but if you don't play games, I think you'll still find this conversation pretty interesting. So, it turns out that Nintendo is closing the digital storefronts, the eShop, for the Nintendo 3DS and the Nintendo Wii U. That's the Wii U, not the Wii. The Wii's been gone for a while. I know a lot of people don't even remember there was a Wii U, but yes, there was a console in between the Wii and the Switch called the Wii U. Okay, the marketing wasn't great on that one, but regardless, whether you had a Wii U or not, which admittedly not a ton of people did uh, in the grand scheme of units out there, the 3DS is uh, close to cracking the top 10 platforms sold in, of all time um, with uh, over 75 million units sold around the world. Both of these units came out roughly 10 years ago with the Wii U being announced and, well, being released in 2012 and the 3DS being released in 2011. The 3DS actually was in production all the way up into 2020. So they're just now going to close the eShop for it. The Wii U stopped production just before the Nintendo Switch came out in 2017. So what does this mean for people who own these devices? Well, what Nintendo has said is that between now and March of 2022, um, you can make normal purchases however you want with a credit card. Turns out if you go into the uh, 3DS right now to try to make a purchase, you can either use your credit card or you can use any outstanding balance you have on your Nintendo account. Well, after March of 2022, they are no longer going to accept credit card purchases through that eShop. If you want to make any purchases, you'll have to add money to your Nintendo account, presumably through your Switch. That's the only way I was able to do it. I couldn't find a way of doing it online. Um, I don't own a Wii U, so I couldn't go into that shop to see how it works. Now, all of this uh, past March 2022, they'll slowly start uh, changing when you can submit um, gift card codes. But the final time you'll be able to make purchases in either of these shops is March of 2023. At that point, no purchases can be made, but you'll still be able to download anything that you have already purchased or um, any downloadable content for games that are made available. So there was a quite a bit of uh, uproar about this from the video gaming community, mainly because of the number of titles there that are going to go away. Uh, VGC News uh, did an analysis, and they estimate that over 2,000 games across both platforms are going to uh, go away, with 1,000 of those being digital only, meaning that they didn't have a physical release. There's no cartridge for these that you'll be able to purchase. This doesn't even count the nearly 530 virtual console games that are available across the two platforms that are not currently available on the Nintendo Switch through their Nintendo Switch Online platform. So this is very important for people who care about the preservation of games. So let's take a sidetrack here for those of you that don't play video games and, and talk about what this really means. How do we preserve art? I am a firm believer that video games are a form of art. It's a form of expression of the creator, of the designer. The experience that the user has is meant to evoke emotion. And just like we have uh, movies and music and books that we could consider, you know, popcorn or pop art, you know, your, your 
big blockbuster movie that's just lots of sci- that's lots of uh special effects and action and things like that we have video games like that just like we have our oscar nominated drama that is going to you know stir the soul we have similar games like that too that are meant to connect people that are meant to evoke strong emotion video games are art so if we think about other art forms well i mean the written word well you have the text it's pretty easy to cut easy is relative but you know you can make a copy of that. Uh, visual arts, we certainly have things, uh, you, know, you know, paintings that are preserved with great care in museums um, and other places where they're placed on display, but also they make uh, print copies of them. I mean, how many college students had posters of famous pieces of art in their dorm room? I mean, that, that's just a, that's a business is, is making, is selling prints of those things music we have seen um music be transferred from uh, vinyl to cassette to cd to digital we, we we can see music obviously changing because we have the ability to take that audio and transfer it to something else matter of fact we have an interesting phenomenon now as we are going back to try and put some of this music back onto vinyl because we want that particular sound because it has a different a different uh, way that it sounds. And that is a, a, an amazing way of preserving the way that music sounds. Movies. How many times have we had movies that are on, you know, VHS and then we buy the DVD version and then maybe we need to buy the Blu-ray remaster version. And there's always the original version. Going back to watch old movies or old mu- or listen to older music in the way way they were originally created can be difficult. I mean, I'm not going to argue that finding an eight track player is something that everyone can do to be able to listen to something, but there's a good chance that that music is available in another way. Could you go back and watch an old VHS tape? You could, you certainly could. Um, Challenges that we have moving forward with that, not only are the availability of VHS players, but also the output on a VHS player might or might not be compatible with future televisions. We still have a coaxial input, so that, that's going to be around for a while, probably. But, I mean, eventually it will probably go away. I know that my in-laws have a bunch of slides. As in, yes, they had a slide camera when they went on their vacation to um, the Grand Canyon. And my father-in-law spent a lot of time trying to find a, a repaired slide projector so he could still enjoy that art, that preservation of that art. So a lot of art forms, there is a way that we can preserve it. And there is a way that we can study it. And there's a way that then later generations can see how that art form has evolved or to, to experience important pieces of art or important, uh, you know, time frames of art. Video games, it's harder because the video games our code and code is created and meant to run on a particular computer, whether that be a standalone system like a Nintendo switch, like a 3ds, like a PlayStation or on your standard computer. Um, and those computers change and the compilers change the way that we create the code changes. It could be that one day when we write the code, it will work just fine. But in the future, 
the hardware has changed so much that it, it not, doesn't necessarily work anymore. So how do we preserve these, these older art forms? I know when I teach video game design, I like to have my class play the original Super Mario Brothers 3 for the original Nintendo Entertainment System. There's a, there's a reason for this. One reason is I get a, an interesting pleasure out of watching current 18 to 20 year olds attempt to play something that is now 35 plus years old and realize you know how hard the game particularly is. But what's really important though is that Super Mario Brothers 3 is an incredible example of game design and level design. Um, every course in Super Mario Brothers 3 is meant to be a nice small chunk of content. So there's this up and down rhythm to the game where you go into a course, the course takes, let's say a minute and a half, two minutes, somewhere in that range, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less, depends on the level, obviously. And then you're kicked back to a menu, not a menu, excuse me, you're kicked back to the world view, where then you can walk around the map and go choose your next course. Or there are other things you could do, like go and play a mini game or warp somewhere or something like that. And the idea here is you have a burst of activity and then you can reset and the burst of activity and then you can reset. And the way that this game is created is something that we see emulated in so many games since then, 35 years later. And it, it's a seminal point in how we think about game design. Now, I'm not worried about finding ways for my students to play Super Mario Bros. 3 because there are some ways of preserving some games. Super Mario Bros. 3 has been re-released a lot of times. Nintendo realizes that they can make a lot of money by re-releasing games on future platforms just like the movie companies make whenever they re-release another, you know, edition of the movie. Now here's the Blu-ray edition. Here's the, you know, they, they make their money by selling multiple copies of the same movie to the same person as they try to update their library. I'm guilty of this too. I don't even know how many copies of Super Mario Brothers 3 that I own, how many licenses. If you want to go back to listen to that episode about what exactly I own, I own a license, but many of them are digital. As in, I bought a digital copy on my... 3DS. I have a digital copy through the Nintendo Switch online service. I have a copy on my NES Classic kind of portable system. Um, there's probably more I'm not thinking of. Oh, I'm sure I own a, a Game Boy Advance cartridge of it. I'm sure I have a couple physical copies. I also still have the original Super Mario Brothers 3 cartridge. Although, to be fair, it is my wife's uh, because I actually sold my original one, um, which I regret now, but we have my wife's, which is which is fine. But the NES doesn't really play nice with a modern television. So how can I play this game? Well, there are a couple different ways of actually playing old games on modern equipment, and this has become its own industry. There are companies like Analog that make consoles specifically to play older cartridges. What they have done is, well, in, in the case of Polymega, they're using something called emulation. So they have effectively a computer that has a program in it that runs, that pretends to be a Nintendo. This is the way that the NES Classic works. This is the way that playing 
Super Mario Brothers 3 on the Nintendo Switch Online platform works. It is a program that reads a copy of the software and then pretends to be a Nintendo and then, you know, allows you to play it. Matter of fact, the Polyomega allows you to plug in the cartridge and it copies the code off of the cartridge and then has it locally so you can continue playing it. Analog, however, that company does something slightly different. They're using something called FPGAs, Field Programmable, field programmable Gate Arrays. And what they effectively do is they create a new NES. They, they've copied the hardware in a, in, a piece of, in, a, in a piece of technology that allows you to recreate what the hardware actually looks like. And they can kind of do it on the fly. It's, it's absolutely fascinating um, technology. Um, they, they're actually releasing a, or have already released a new system called the, the um, Analog Pocket, which is meant for portable games. So Game Boy games, Game Boy Advance, Game Boy Color. Um, and it does the exact same thing. You plug in the actual cartridge, the hardware itself becomes a copy of the original hardware and lets you play the original cartridge. Now, these are not cheap. You know, the, the, the analog pocket is running a little over $200. The Polymega is, it's like buying a computer. It's like five or $600. Those are all completely legal. You know, you own a license to play those games. If you have the physical media by which the license is attached, it works just fine. This closing of the eShop, however, has resurfaced the new argument about software piracy. Um, and by new argument, I mean that compared to just playing on older consoles. So the idea here is, well, if Ninten Nintendo is not going to let me pay them to have a copy of this game, well, then I'll just take it. I'll just find the code somewhere and I will run it on an emulator on my own computer. I'll just do that. Emulation is legal. That's fine. That, that, that aspect is fine. Appropriating the code to then run on the emulator, the game, is illegal because you don't own a license to run that code. Again, go back to the licensing episode where we talk about that. Um, if you happen to own the physical copy of the media, then yeah, you have the license to run the code. Um, it's still a little bit of a gray area, but for the most part, it's, it's, it's generally fine. So when we look at the closing of the eShop for the, for the Wii U and for the 3DS, um, it's it's very, you know, it's unfortunate because there are some games that are digital only that people are very upset about, like DLC, downloadable content for the Fire Emblem games on 3DS. But I think what a lot of people are more concerned about is Nintendo went to a lot of trouble to legally release emulation copies of older popular games in the virtual console. So on the 3DS, I could purchase a copy of Super Mario Brothers 3 for like five bucks and play the original game on this new hardware in an emulation environment that Nintendo has approved. Moving forward, Nintendo has gone to this kind of subscription model, which is fine. I don't think that that's, I mean, people, I mean, personally, it's fine for me. I mean, at some point that subscription is going to go away, like most digital things. Um, 
But I think what most people want to be able to do is to have the larger category, uh, um, catalog, excuse me, because the Nintendo Switch Online catalog is rather limited compared to what is currently available on the Virtual Console. What does this mean for people who have these systems? Well, over the next few weeks, you need to make some decisions about what games you still might want to buy on these platforms. I know that I've gone in and already looked at a couple virtual console games that I didn't own that I wanted to get a hold of, and so I went in and bought those. There's a few copies of 3DS games I'm thinking about buying copies of. Now, this, of course, doesn't mean that I can't find physical copies of these games somewhere out there probably used, you know, used game stores or things like that. But the thing to realize is that if I was to find, try to find uh, a more popular game, try to find a rarer physical copy of that game, well, the cost could be quite high. As a matter of fact, collectors who are trying to complete physical game collections, you know, are spending four, five, six, ten times the original cost of a game to get a physical copy, much like other collectibles like trading cards or, or what have you. But if I just care about the game, well, I could drop like 20 bucks in the eShop in the next year and then have it on my 3DS, assuming my 3DS survives. But if my 3DS goes away, what happens then? Preserving art uh, is important. It's important for just cultural reasons. It's important for educational reasons. As someone who teaches video game design, it is very important to me that we find ways to make sure that older video games are available for future generations to see how games have evolved, because that's important. It's important for us to know how, where we have come from and um, where these ideas have evolved from so we can credit the appropriate people. So Thankfully, there are places like GameHistory.org, the Video Game History Foundation, where what they do is preserve game history. They have entire libraries of video game magazines with screenshots and descriptions. They have uh, source code itself. They have done restoration projects. It's a great organization if you're interested in what they are doing. They are at GameHistory.org for, for um, you know, trying to preserve uh, the history of gaming. So... If you own a 3DS, if you own a Wii U, make sure you take a little bit of time over the next month or so to go into the shop, see if there's anything else you want to preserve, and think about what it means to preserve this art form that we love so much. Hope you're doing well. We'll be back next week with a full episode. Until then, take care, be safe, and watch for Falling Goats. Bye.